back. This is module three. And so it, the target is strategic training and the intricacies of how strategic training and the strategic planning process work together for a company. The objectives that we're going to work on uh, for this group of videos this week is, again, how business strategy influences the type and amount of training, the strategic training and development process, how a company's staffing and human resource planning aligns with the uh, and influences the training, explaining the training needs concentrated by, uh, by concentration, internal growth, external growth, how that all ties in together from a company that you're looking at. Discuss the advantages and disadvantages of centralized training. Um, and there are some unique aspects of centralized training that we're going to go through and discuss. Uh, talk about what the corporate university is and the benefits. And it's, and it's a unique, unique operations, unique mode. Spend a little time discussing the strengths of business embedded learning functions. Think about that business embedded learning functions and discuss how to create a learning or training brand and why it's important. Just like it, in any other uh, aspect, the branding of your company is extremely important as to how it comes across and how it develops. And then also developing a marketing campaign for your training courses and programs. So those are the types of objectives that, that when we're done with this section or group of videos, you'll have the experience and be able to uh, work through. This is module 3.1, Business Strategies. Um, and so the, the, the thought process and the, and the most important piece of this is thinking about how training can be strategic. And it should be, it should be, there should be a direct relationship between what your company strategies is and how your strategy for training is. It can have a direct impact on the, on the success of the operation. Think about the new companies that are integrating new technologies or new business methods or people relationships. It, it has, it, it can be more than just technologies. It could be new systems on, or an organizational development. So I think that's important to, to realize what role many years ago training was just, well, you go to a course and you learn it, but there wasn't a direct correlation. Today, today there is a direct correlation between that. The business strategies, as we go through, and, and you're actually going to go through, we're going to look at companies, we're going to look at their mission and vision statement, and are they achieving that objective? And, and then how does training impact the various types of uh, visions or missions components of what they want to do in terms of their strategic process. So we need to understand that and we need to be able to work through those. We're going to do a SWOT analysis, which will enable us to do that. One of the, the neat things about it is companies are evolving to learning organizations and a learning organization is one that enhances the capability of learning. It is, it's embracing that. When you go to your, your boss and say, well, I'd like to go to a training session. It's not, no, you don't need it. It's not very negative. It should be very positive as to, okay, that's awesome. Now, what are you going to get out of it? How are you going, what, with what you're learning, how can you apply that to your, to your real life here within the workspace? And then also, how can we communicate that to other employees? 
So, so it's a culture of where employees seek and share new knowledge, as it says the slides say. I think it's really important <clears throat> to have the ability <clears throat> to the openness and the ability to go and talk about, well, here's something new. We're not doing this. We as an organization may not be using this technology or this methodology or this thought process, but I want to learn more about it so I can bring it back to the company so we can think about ways that will help that. High performance companies are more than five times likely to have a strong learning culture. Think about that, five times more likely. If you think about the companies that you really admire and then you look at them and say, what, what are they doing and how are they enhancing their ability to stay in the forefront? How is that? What is that component? And in most cases, you're going to find that it's not technology. It's, it's not new product development. It's training and the ability to absorb and take advantage of those types of tools that are available to them and then how they deploy that. And they do that through training and organization and learning. Learning has to help employees' performance. Today, most companies that do performance reviews will also have a training component. So that, that yes, you have to do ABC in terms of your job objectives, but then what's, what's one thing or two things that you're going to learn this next year, this next cycle, that's going to help you personally and help the organization. Um, the companies need to enforce informal learning. And, and the way they go about doing that is, is how many companies have team meetings. And you look at the organizational dynamics of a team and a team from, may not necessarily be the shift. It's going to start integrating folks from other shifts so that they can learn from one another. If one employee is starting to do something that, that makes good sense, in terms of the organization that will help the organization, he or she's encouraged to share that information. It's not the old old school where you kept it within yourself. It's they're, they're encouraged to try to share that component. A manager needs to know, to understand employees, to determine their development needs. One of the most critical pieces, I think, of a manager is to say, okay, what's the next What's your next potential job opportunity? If, you, if we look at your career development, what's the next logical step of where you want to go? And what skills do you need to be able to perform that job? And then, let's, then we collectively, you as an employee and me as a manager, I have a responsibility to work with you to get you to that position. Not necessarily saying that you're going to get that job but that you're going to be in the position to get that job because you're going to have the knowledge to be able to do that. We talk about here the aligning learning goals to business goals, and, and we're, we're beating up on that a lot, but there is a direct correlation between if our business goal is to improve market share, then how are we going to do that, and how do the learning goals of the organization reinforce that or tie into that? the measurement of business impact to learning functions. And again, that, that ties in and says the same type of thing. The competencies for the most critical jobs, cross-training. And, and most companies say, yes, we do cross-training to cover for vacations and holidays. But in reality, what you're trying to do is you're trying to promote a, a, an environment 
where folks want to learn what's something else that, that's going on. A lot of companies are now evolving to the spot to the to the the system or subsystems where as if I learn more, if I learn somebody else's job, I can get a pay raise. And so my pay raises are directly related or there's a direct correlation between what I'm learning and what worth I have to the company as opposed to the, to the rank and time that I've been in position. So those are different types of things. Delivery approaches that, that are unique and, and especially now in this COVID time or past COVID time, it's extremely critical to see what's the right delivery approach. Should it be classroom training? Should it be e-learning? Should it be um, on your phone that you look at over lunchtime? So we need to think about that kind of stuff, not only from a technical standpoint, and I think it's really critical to realize that we're talking technical training, managerial training, leadership training, all of the above, all the different components um, to be able to, to be beneficial for the organization. This is a great graphic because basically it says you have, you define your business strategy and then a subset of defining your business strategy is what is your training, your strategic training and development training or development initiatives. And so they're, they're walking hand in hand. And then from that, then you design what, you know what your strategy is, and then you develop the training and what the development activities are. That's the, the key component, is you look at business strategies, training strategies, activities, and then metrics as to if you were successful or not. And these all tie in together. So that, that's one piece of the, the, the puzzle, okay? So we'll have more, more on this in just a minute. So this section, module three, two, is determining strategic initiatives. How do you go about doing that? What's the methodology for doing it? So the first thing we have to do is we gotta define what our business strategy is. That may not be in your domain. That may be where there's a corporate group that's doing strategic planning for the company, or it may be where you're responsible for it. Or it may be that you're designing the strategic, uh, the, the strategies for your individual group. But once the company determines their missions and their goals and objectives for the next year, you perform a SWOT analysis. We're going to talk about that. There's a section on SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And that that is extremely critical. And now you can do a SWOT analysis on a variety of different things. You can do it on the company, you can do it on your department, you can actually do it on your own your own self as you start to look at the progression that you're gonna do. And then from that SWOT analysis, you're gonna have strategic choices that you can make. You determine what the initiatives are, the learning rate-based activities that the company should take that reinforce that strategy. It's a roadmap, a guide to specific training activities, and you uh, disavoid, you, you, you avoid the disconnection between strategy and execution. We're going to talk about that. One of the things you're going to do is um, you're going to select a company for your training projects. You're going to do look at their mission and vision and strategies and try to understand that, see where the shortcomings are, do a SWOT analysis as part of that, and then you're going to determine what the training should be. So that's the way you go about that. Common strategic initiatives are learning portfolio, expand who is training, accelerated the pace of training, 
when you decide who is, is going to be trained, who is trained, it's not necessarily the low man on the totem pole or the low person on the totem pole. It's, it's who needs the training and who can benefit from it and how can that training help the overall department or organization. So it may be that you're not going to send your top individual to training. They may not need specific training at this stage. It may be somebody else, but you need, as part of your strategic initiatives, you need to go through and determine that. How do you accelerate the pace of learning? Are, are your employees in a, in a mindset for learning? How's the customer service impacted on this? Are there are this training that need to occur with your customers? And if so, how do you do that? How do you communicate and expand the opportunities with your employees for training? It can't be a hidden entity of, well, we'll talk about training later, or when we have the budget, we'll do training, but we don't have the the, the budget this year. It's going to be a, a, an aggressive format for how to move forward. How do you capture and share knowledge? I've been in organizations where what we do is one person goes to a training class, when they come back, they have an obligation of going to the training class to take that information and communicate that to everybody else. So it's a one-to-many process as opposed to a one-to-one -one process. So you need to think that. You need to align the training with the company's direction, which we've talked on that a lot. And then ensure the work environment supports learning and transfer. The example I just gave you is a, is a great example for how the environment is supporting learning and the transfer of knowledge between one individuals to many individuals. So those are, those are the types of things you need to think about. Questions asked as you, as you start to go through this process and as you're going through when you select your company, um, what's the mission and vision? What's the capabilities and comp competencies that we need for success? How do we evaluate those or how do we measure those? That's a, that's, there's direct correlation. What's the type of training that will best attract and develop and retain employees? You know, one of the things that we're hearing from a wealth of companies is we can't retain our employees. They go to other places. They go to companies, uh, greener pastures. Is that a function of training or not? Is it a function of not offering training? Does the company have a strategy for communicating the links between training and business strategy to not only their employees, but their, their, their uh, customers? Are your customers going to be interested or at least interested in what kind of training your company offers? Does senior management support training? And, and when I say that, it's more than do they support training in the sense of, of saying, given, you know, wordsmithing and yes, we support training. Are they doing it, standing by it with the dollars to give you money for training or a training budget? And what is that, what that training budget is? Okay. Do they stand behind it by promoting you or, or not necessarily in a job, but recognizing you and individuals as they go through and do different types of training? And does the company provide training for individuals and teams? These are, these are great questions that you need to think about as you start looking at your company and other companies. The third step is to determine how do we translate initiatives into activities? Okay, and one of the toughest things to do when you're doing strategic planning is, yeah, we have a vision. We want to increase uh, our profits. Our goal is to increase profits by 20%. Now, how do we do that? What are the initiatives that we do that will then turn around and create activities that are going to occur? 
Okay. And while well, the activities vary uh, on the initiatives by different types of, of how they're developed, will you think about those differently? The final step or identifying the metrics is how do you measure if you've been successful or not? Just in any setting goals and objectives, you always have to measure, here's what our goal is, were we successful? And it's not bad if you're not successful on occasion, as long as you've taken steps in that regard. And it may be that you're not moving as rapidly as you want, but it's something to think about, okay? And, and strategic training is not an isolated program. It's a set of overall activities, a vision for the organization. If you're a learning organization, we want to take our, our, our company from point A to point B, and how do we do that? And then business-related outcomes should be directly linked to the strategic goals and objectives. So that if, if we're training our employees on a new product line, then it ought to be measurable that from our, our customers ought to say, yeah, I learned more about that. I understand how to use that product. The balance score sheet is another component. And there are lots of, of different components. You can look and jump to the long description. But it's another way of measuring where you are. And you set goals and objectives at each, each one of the blocks. And you try to balance those out. You try to manage those so that they work for you as, and use the balance score sheet as a tool. I would encourage you to go out and look up and, and Google on balance scorecard and see what you find and how you can adapt what the balance scorecard process is to your organization, because I think that will help you better define that. Module 3.3 deals with training influences and the different types of things that will influence your training, um, both as an organization as well as on an individual standpoint. And so in, in this case, there's a lot of, it's very obvious, the role of employees and managers and top management. What are the characteristics? Are they influencing that? Are they supportive of that? What's the role of the, the integration between the various business units or within the business units in terms of support for training? These folks are at a, at a position where if they're not buying into the learning organization, then they create other problems for you and you won't be as uh, successful. Is the company got a global presence? That This whole global presence and business or global presence and also business conditions to some degree directly impact the, the way we're doing the characteristics and the way we're doing training in the future, current and in the future, in part because we're now becoming global organizations. We're multi-language, multilingual uh, organizations, multi-country organizations. And how we do training in one set or one sector of the world, it could be dramatically different to how we do it in another set of the world. So we need to think about that and understand how that works. Um, business conditions, just coming out of the pandemic, it's very obvious that business conditions will influence training. The, the component of that is, is the, we don't have, if we're not making enough money, if we don't have profits to align with that, then we have, uh, we don't have the ability to do training. In reality, going through the pandemic, as we start to come back, that's when we should be doing training. 
because that's when we have the, the employees that have the, the energy and the enthusiasm for doing that. Are there other human resource practices, the strategic value of jobs and employees, uniqueness, and unionization of staff involvement? All of these are functions or roles, activities that are impacting or influencing training. Now, what we're going to do is there's, I've got a group of slides right after this that go into a little detail in each one of these. I'm not necessarily going to repeat all of that, but I want to highlight that and they're there for your reference. Okay. So the first one is the role of the managers. What we just talked about, one of the key components is, is because of how things are evolving, how business is evolving, what was once reserved for a manager to do, a senior management manager to do, is now dropped down and folks in, in multiple tiers are doing that. We have more and more teams that are working together, which I think is great, but that requires better in-personal training, better in-personal skill training. And then managers' jobs are becoming highly competitive. They require more skills. Managers are doing more in that regard in terms of of their overall knowledge. In many cases, having the person that is the best technical person is not necessarily, that individual won't necessarily become the best manager for you. And that's something you need to look at. As we look at management support, are there clear directives, which we talked about? Does management take an active role in governing learning? And when I say governing learning, are they supportive of that and looking at the benefits of learning in the different sectors? Does management, top management serve as role models? Do you, are you aware if senior management is going to a training class or not? They may not go, you know, they may not be going to um, spend a whole week in class, but they may be going to a day in class. Or do they drop in on the classes that you have? So th it's those types of things. Integration of the business units is, is, is training equal among all the units. I've seen in some companies where training is two or three times more training in the development sector than it is the operations sector. And in reality, it ought to be the opposite, or it definitely has to be equal to. So you need to think about that within your organization. The global uh, presence we've already talked about, the integration of the business units, do we have uniformity throughout? So again, these are slides that support what we've, we've been going through. Business conditions. If low employment is a difficult, low unemployment, is it difficult to find top talent? One way, one way to incentivize to hiring folks is offering more training to them. The downside is if you offer more training, then they're more likely, if they're not happy, to leave. And so you need to think about that, that supply-demand scenario and how you work through that. When there's growth in an organization, obviously training is high demand. You need to think about those components and how that helps you when you're walking through the, those difficult times of having high growth because that puts lots of stress on the operations. Putting stress on the operations because you have higher production needs usually, or in many cases, will relegate the training will fall by the wayside. A learning organization will not allow that to happen. And again, we talk about the opposite of low unemployment is downsizing. 
and how training could be affected by that and, and the overall business conditions. I'm, I, I'm not discounting the business conditions directly impact the amount of money that you have for training. But in reality, if you think about it, if you're um, because of the pandemic or other types of things, if you your production is not as great, that's the time to do the training. So that way, then you're ready to ramp up when the cycle turns around. You're ready to ramp up and have employees that are fully competent and understand what's going on in terms of the training and the, and the, the incentives, et cetera, et cetera. So again, these are all things as to influences that are impacting training that you're going to see on an everyday basis. This is module three, four and staffing strategies. You're going to get a kick out of these terms. I think they're unique, but the, their concepts of what companies and how you categorize different types of hiring strategies or staffing strategies. You have the fortress, which is they have limited resources. And so they, they do less internal training. And when they look for staff, they automatically recruit from the outside. So that they're building that wall, the walls up and they're keeping their people in, their employees in, but they're not training them. You have the baseball team, which the baseball team is, you know, you think about in baseball, they, they trade players back and forth wherever their needs are. So if they define that they have a, a certain type of needs, they'll go out and they'll try to trade, not really trade for them, but they'll recruit from other companies where the students have already, or the employees have already been trained. Um, There's some companies that you look at the migration and 90% of the people they hire are from another company that does an excellent job, job of training their employees. So they're, they're hiring employees that have already been trained. You have the club environment or the clubhouse, which is highly regulated. Um, and they want to develop their own talent. Um, almost like, um, I want to say in baseball, the baseball analogy again is the farm system. Some companies will use the, the farm-based systems for doing all their own internal training and, and continue to hire from within. And then you had your, your academy, which is heavy focused on developing the employees. Their, their focus, their staffing strategy is we are going to develop those um at all levels, as opposed to the club, is that we're only going to develop certain levels of staff. So it's different types of, of strategies that you need to think about. Think about how what your company is. What does your company do in terms of staffing strategy? Do they have a strategy? Or and they may not talk about it, but but think about that. What's the strategic values and uniqueness? Knowledge-based workers are heavily trained. Okay, they have heavy training in that space. You want to have, ideally, you want to have knowledge-based workers in your employment. Those are the ones that know multiple jobs or multiple activities. Job-based employees, less training than knowledgeable workers. So it's on a, a scale that's dropped one le level down. Contract employees are those that, that you can go out and hire off the street or from a, a, a temp agency, and they can fill the, the work that you need done. Okay. And then alliance and partnership is where you're ex sharing the expertise and team training. We've had conversations with companies that say, well, 
I'm willing to share some of my employees if XYZ is willing to share them with me so that we can get a group of employees that could go back and forth between a sales and, and an acquisition company functions because of the knowledge they have and the information they have. So you, you need to think about where your company is and how that can be enhanced. What can you do to make it better in terms of the organization and uh, bringing employees and the right employees and retaining them and keeping them. So it's something to think about. Unionization. Um, unions came about for a variety of reasons, which was very valid, okay, many, many years ago. Um, unions dictate the amount of training you're gonna get and how you're gonna handle that. If you look at apprenticeship programs, Many apprenticeship programs are, are governed by the unions to, to specifically say what it takes to be competent to do that job. A lot of those are, and, and you all know to be in construction, a lot of those are skills rather than, uh, or technical skills rather than people skills. So that's something you got to think about. Unions are now moving to um, integrate and push more people skills as well. Unions, uh, they, need, they need to be involved. When you have a union shop, you need to jointly collaborate and determine what the training, strategic training priorities are and what's going to be best for the company and the employees. But in a, in a union environment, as you well know, the only way to be successful is by collaborating you don't necessarily want that to be a, a condition of employment or negotiating. You want it to be involved uh, in a collaborative environment. Managers need to be involved in the training so that to make sure that it is reinforced, the, the strategies um, are in sync with what the training is. If they're in, if they're, we talked about senior management being involved and supportive of a learning environment. If you have, uh, and I've seen it before in companies where managers, a certain part of their performance review is based upon how well their employees are doing in terms of training. How many employees are they, are they getting trained? What tasks, what activities are they learning? What's the responsibility there for learning? So if the manager assumes a, that part of his or her salary review is based upon adequate training of their employees, you're going to have more buy-in into that. The other component, and, and we've really seen it with the millennials and uh, other groups, they want to assume responsibility for their own training. They want to, and the planning of, and training. They want to know why they're being trained, and they want to know what that means. What's the implications of that? What's that going to buy me down the road? So you need to think about that, and, and we'll spend a, a whole uh, session on, on um, all the different components between what employees' wants and needs are and how you manage that, okay, specifically from a generational standpoint, because baby boomers are different than millennials and Gen X. So uh, we need to, you need to be aware of that as we go through that. Okay. The next session is going to be training the different strategies. 
Module 3.5, Training and Different Strategies, ties into the different types of strategies that you may have as an organization and how you can integrate training within those strategies. So you have, we're, we're going to talk specifically about four different strategies. Um, concentration strategy, which is the development of the existing workforce. We are, we are continuing to focus in on companies that are increasing market share and that um, are looking to, to expand the niche market that they're in. And in order to do that, we need to um, continue to reduce costs, but improve the training organization. Internal growth strategy is the creation of new jobs where the company is expanding internally as opposed to the external growth strategy. The easiest comparison is the external growth strategy is, is a strategic plan where you are going out and looking to acquire businesses. You're looking to um, not only acquire businesses, but acquire staff that would support those businesses. So it's very much an acquisition mode um, in that regard, where internal is we're developing new products. We want to develop internally that functionality of our products and our sales and services. And we will do that with doing the same thing within our training component. This investment strategy is a turnaround company, a company that, that's going, um, that is liquidating or having problems in that regard and how you go about continuing to survive, but build the, the, the training issues that you need. So it's very concentrated. You're not gonna spend extra money on certain types of training, but it's gonna be very targeted type of training as opposed to the external and internal growth strategy. Within that, then there are different types of training modes to do that with. You have centralized training, which has got a strong alignment to the strategy, there, to the strategic plan. There's no question where the mix is. There's a, a better integration of programs to the development leaders. In many cases, centralized training is you have a group of trainees or a group of trainors that are functioning from a, a the, the, the corporate office, and then they come out to the individual departments or divisions and train. But by being centralized, um, they have the same style, the same um, methodologies, training methodologies. It allows you also to streamline your product process a little bit better. So centralized is one component. It works very well. The corporate university model, the best example is McDonald's has Hamburger University. All their employees, all their, all their managers go through the same type of training component at the same location. So they all gain that, that uh, common approach. There's a clear vision. There's the tools that are used for training are done redundantly. So, so the corporate model works very effectively or efficient in uh, where you don't have a lot of diversity for training um, or a lot of training aspects that is very narrow. You can control that. It, you can very easily define the, the training needs to the business needs. Um, so that, that 
it's one environment that, and like, like I said, the best example I can give you is McDonald's. If I was going to say, can you impose the corporate training method on a, a large organization that, that an auto manufacturer, I'm going to say it's going to be tougher. GM many, many years ago had a corporate university model. They've gone away from that now. And, and they're talking about coming back for some of their uh, certain roles uh, within the organization. The advantages uh, for a corporate uh, university model is that since it's all contained in one spot, you can effectively use new technology. You don't need to deploy technology out to each individual uh, location. There's no question about what's being trained and the mission and vision and what the training, the alignment of the training to the business needs and the alignment of the training to the individuals. So that's very upfront and obvious because it's all uniform in that regard. So there are very distinct advantages. If you look at business embedded learning functions, that's centralized but able to respond, all people involved with the training communicate and share resources. So in this one, you're gonna have, think about it, um, centralized training is the corporate, is at the corporate office, embedded trainers are responsible for um, they may be at a divisional level. They still go out to the different locations, but at a divisional level as opposed to the corporate level. One of the unique things about business embedded training is that the trainers develop the materials, deliver the materials, and they support the training trainees after it and through the assessment. So they see the entire process as opposed to in the corporate environment, um, you may not see all of the different components or even the, the, um, uh, yeah, the corporate environment and centralized environment, you may not see the, the assessment component of it, which is important. There's a change model perspective, which, which is uh, problems that need to be addressed before you can implement uh, specific problems. There's resistance to training, loss of control, balance and palette imbalance or power imbalance, and task redefinition challenges. What happens here is that the organization is kind of struggling for an a training identity. And how do you go about going through that and addressing those from an organizational standpoint, a task standpoint, um, or an individual? And in each case, the change model impacts uh, and highlights either the loss of control, task redefinition, um, resistance to change, how you address those components. And so there, if you jump to the end, there's a change model with a longer description. Um, I would encourage you to look at that if your training organization is going through change and adapting, um, it's going to uh, may give you some insight and some guidance as to how best to, to work through some of those components. Should we market training? I want you to think about this because I think that that's important uh, for the next couple of slides. Should we market training? Is there value? Uh, do some people think that training is not, not needed? I know everything, so I don't need to be trained. When you do training classes, you're gonna have individuals that are gonna come to the training course and will, will openly say, I know everything you know, I don't need to be here. I've got better things to do with my time. So that's a part of how you're going to market the training. 
and, and how you're going to get the, the, the components. So you need to market it at a senior level. If you don't already have a learning environment or learning corporation, you need to think about how you market it internally and at the senior level to get senior management actively engaged with the training process. We're supportive of the training process because with their involvement, that's going to help. Now, that's not going to resolve all the problem. You need to think about also the, the, how you're going to market internally to your audience, how you can, um, in this case, it says show previous examples. And, and so you need to think about how, why you're marketing the training program to start with. What value is it to market it? Why are you doing the training? So you need to go back to that step and say, we are training because of it relates to shortcomings or gaps that we've identified that tie into our strategic plan. So this is why we're doing these trainings. This is what you're going to get out of it. This is going to be the benefits for, the, for you personally as an employee and for the organization in your department. So you need to think about that. You need to think about how you're going to advertise. I've seen some companies that have gone through and they've got they've developed apps on uh, phone apps for their employees. This is a mid-sized company. And not only does it have things about when you can take time off, communications from uh, about things going on in the market, but it also says, well, here's the courses that we're offering this week. Here's another course that we're going to have. Here's, here's those types of things that are available to you as employees that will be helpful. The last item on here is in terms of speaking terms that employees understand. That's a critical piece of that component as to how you go about talking to individuals. And in many cases, trainers will not fully understand the implications of communication and talking to the audience. They're gonna talk at the level the materials were created, especially uh, younger trainers. They're going to, the materials were developed at this level. So I'm going to talk about that. They were at a co collegiate level or high school level, or whatever, but you need to, to adjust the way you're marketing your materials. You're delivering your materials and marketing your materials to the, uh, in terms that the employees are going to understand and accept because you're, you have to have an environment where your employees are, have a willingness to, uh, receive the, the training that you're doing. The last one talks about outsourcing training. And, and what do we do? Why do we outsource training? Many companies um, from a cost perspective have found that it's, it's better rather than having a training department, especially small to mid-sized companies, it's better to have, rather than having a training department or multiple individuals that are dedicated to training to be able to go and outsource. So you send them to, you send your employees to certain types of trainings, or you bring somebody in that does a, a one-time training or a, a training on a um, semi-routine basis. That gives you the ability to take advantage of a corporate training mode without having the expense of a corporate training mode. It gives you the advantage to take advantage, to take advantage of best practices which is critical in terms of training, okay? I, I really, I, I, I want to emphasize that if, if having your training group, your trainer, train orders understand best practices will enhance the training and jumpstart your trainees to, to better adapt and use that information. 
So that's another piece of it that you need to think about that outsourcing may allow you to do that. You just never know. Outsourcing may not be the the solution, but again, I think that you need to think about your organization and structure. And if you're looking at outsourcing, what's the skill sets that you're trying to develop? Do you have somebody that's got that skill set in it? A trainer needs to understand the materials. Do you have the resources and the expertise? That's where I was saying that, that from an outsourcing standpoint, it may be to your advantage to bring somebody in rather than going outside or send some of your employees to a training session on a certain uh, piece of equipment. If you are training with a supplier and your employees and they're merging together and training together, you may not want to outsource that. You may want to think about how you can integrate both because of the organizational dynamics that you're going to garner by having them work together. So that's the other piece of it. So there's a lot of different uh, components when you go through and think about the different types or formats for training and how you're going to be delivering it, what the training mode is, um, and the operations of it is, because that's critical. So we'll uh, work on some other things now. Have a, a good week, and I will see you next week. 